0: Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. If you polled current or former Kansas State University students and asked them to identify their favorite classes they attended as undergrads, Dr. Dan Keister's sports economics class would poll at or near the top. Keister takes the world of sports and examines it from an economics point of view. But it's not just the class the students enjoy. It's Keister himself. He's a man with a loud voice, a big personality, and as he admits, sometimes unfiltered opinions. Plus, he's a damn good teacher. Dan Keister grew up in Southern Missouri, attended Drury College in Springfield, and then earned both his master's and Ph.D. in economics from the University of Missouri. After teaching at the University of Arkansas for four years, he arrived in Manhattan in the fall of 2004, and this Missouri man has found himself a home in the heart of the Flint Hills of Kansas. With the NCAA deciding to allow voluntary on-campus workouts for football and basketball beginning June 1, and most of us growing more certain that college football will indeed return this fall. It's a perfect time to talk about the economics of college sports as well as the emerging markets for legalized sports gambling. I met Dan on a bar stool at Manhattan's Wahoo Fire and Ice Grill, a former locally owned restaurant that unfortunately ceased operations a few years ago. We both love the place for many reasons, and we also love a town called Las Vegas. Maybe you've heard of it. I bet we discuss both as I call... Dr. Dan Keister, right here in the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas. Hello? Dr. Dan Keister, the one and only.
1: How are you doing, (laughs) sir? (laughs) I'm doing great, Fitz. How are you doing? I'm good,
0: man. I'm good. Just hanging out. Sitting inside, talking on the phone instead of out enjoying the weather.
1: Huh. Do, do you want to uh, come to my class and give me that introduction on occasion? <laughs>
0: you had me come talk to your class once and never invited me back, and I, I get the message. I get it. I, <laughs> next time, wear pants. I will do that. I understand.
1: <laughs> no, we'll have you back for sure. I've uh, I've I've had the who's who in that sports econ class. You have like, so. who?
0: Who all have you had in your sports econ class?
1: Oh gosh. Um, quite a few people if you count zoom we had yeah. jay billis a couple times That's which cool. was uh was really cool um also dave Meltzer. i don't know if you're familiar with dave he uh covers mma and pro wrestling and he worked for the national frank Deford called him the best sports reporter that he had on that whole all-star wow. team and he's a really brilliant guy and so i get him most years to talk about uh you know, the, like unions and wrestling and MMA and stuff like that and just the economics of all that. Uh, we had Vahe Gregorian uh, this past semester. I guess he's come a couple of times. Well, yeah, I need to get you back for sure. Vahe, um, Vahe's great. Vahe's awesome. John Allen? You probably know John. Yeah, sure, uh, sure. Yeah, he was fantastic. You now He kind of opted out uh, since he – I think he sells himself way short because his experiences are extremely uh, – Interesting to the students, and um, but uh, he came for a few years and was just fantastic about his experience. And for those that don't know, he was a general manager of the uh, Cincinnati Reds. And um, Vinny Maiulo uh, this year, hmm. uh, I'm probably not a name that most people know, but I'm a big fan of Beeson, the uh, sports betting network that Brent Musburger started up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Vinny is uh, um, one of the sports book directors at the South Point. And so he explained all that to the class and, um, gosh, I don't want to leave anybody out now. Brandon Blagg, one of my alums who works for the Milwaukee bucks, uh, has also, cool. uh, spoken a few times. So that's, I'm, I am leaving some people out, I'm sure, but that's a few of the folks. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a fun, uh, fun thing for me to sit back and, and listen to. And you came right at the height of conference realignment, And I guess that's maybe going to heat up again, but, uh, um, that was, uh, yeah, very, and, and John Curry came a couple times also. Uh, what? so, so we, we, we had John come in. It, it was interesting. Um, the students this past year kind of voted against, well, we had limited spots and they weren't as much as having the athletic director this year. So I don't, I don't know Gene Taylor. I've never met him, but That's great. I know he's spoken to the other uh, sections and I think he's willing to do it.
0: Yeah, he's great. He's great. Um, did John talk about how to piss off basketball coaches?
1: Well, you know, um, the only time he didn't take a question is when he was asked about Frank Martin. So <laughs> that was kind of intriguing, and uh, he just kind of said, "Yeah, let's go to the next question." I don't remember exactly how he put it. He, yeah, so he he kind of showed his teeth a little bit there more than uh, hmm. than I than I ever saw. But uh, the the students got the message. And
0: <laughs> but in fairness, from a fiscal standpoint, he did wonders for the athletic department and raised a ton of money. So. I mean, it,
1: absolutely. And he was very good with the class. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, I almost feel it,
0: like he should be in that. I feel like he, he should be teaching instead of bossing, you know, kind of doing those yeah. of things.
1: No, I, I mean, he, he was a, certainly a natural at it and, uh, you know, um, has his numbers upwards and backwards and, yep. you know, and so that was really cool for the students. And so, uh, so yeah, but no, we'll get you back. We'll get you back. I, uh, Uh, I'm not teaching it this fall. Uh, I get to teach history of economic thought from time to time. And this is one of the few years I get to do that. So, oh, boy, 2021, 2021.
0: As a guy who's got to see in economics, history of economic thought sounds titillating. I'll tell you. I bet uh, you you love it. Me, not so much.
1: (laughs) I force feed it on some of my students in senior seminar and most of them (laughs) seem to like it. You know, I'm like you know, history does repeat itself. And so if we don't see, uh, the, you know, the, the, we can't just do equations and run derivatives and, and all that. We need to talk a little bit about the, the bigger picture stuff in the world. And, uh, so that's what that class is kind oh, of all about. Now that
0: actually sounds good. I yeah. actually would be intrigued by well, that.
1: Well, and that's, you know, we came to it this semester, you know, what would, what would Schumpeter say about this? What would Milton Friedman say about this? What would John Maynard Kane say about this? And so, uh, you know, my job gets more interesting to people like the great recession. Um, you know, all of a sudden I became very popular in terms of, of wanting to, you know, speak about different things and whatnot. And so, I mean, I'd rather not be popular obviously, but, uh, yeah, we get, we get more people. And of course, you know, this is such an external thing. I mean, we don't have all the answers to that, but, uh, or any of them really, but it's still, we can at least talk about it from the perspective of what different folks have talked about over the years and written about. And so that's yeah, I did my dissertation on on all that stuff and uh finally got to use it. Uh <laughs> this will be the second time I've got to teach the class in the fall and I'm excited about it. So well, it'll be fun.
0: I I'm intrigued. I mean this would be this would have been a fascinating time to be teaching economics in the middle of the things you had to adjust to and going to online, but also in an unprecedented economic downfall and that we haven't yep. seen anything like this in the history of the country or the world that we know of that modern economy that plummeted like the united states did. it's incredible it yeah. was amazing
1: yeah and so of course the entire question is uh, i think a v-shaped recession is pretty pretty overly optimistic but now that the big talk is for a swoosh shaped recession. So not a U, you know, a little faster than a U. And I, I'm hopeful for that. I think that's very probable. I mean, I don't think this, and, and who knows, I mean, but I don't see this having the long lasting uh effects of the 1930s, even though the, you know, the great depression was technically from 29 to 33, that entire decade was kind of a disaster. And we had uh, really poor policies that was a big part of that, particularly monetary policies. But again, I'm getting into the weeds too much here. But uh, yeah, teaching the class was, was, you know, I had a great experience with it, um, all things considered. You know, uh, it was really something where uh, I had great interactions with the students and I teach, you know, principals. I teach sophomore seminar where we bring in people with career advice and recent grads and stuff like that and then the senior seminar class where we do take on a little bit of history of economic thought and we do have senior papers and we do have students present from the wall street journal and so we were you know i i I have a little bit of professional disagreement with some of my colleagues that are like they're like well these kids are hearing about this all the time and you know you shouldn't really be bringing it up in your class and i'm like you know i can't say that economics is everywhere which is one of my favorite things to tell the students and then run from this it's like you know, we're adults. We're not trying to upset anybody that's that's experiencing trauma, and a lot of people have, I know. But um, you know, if when the government passes a 2.2 trillion dollar stimulus plan, um, that's the biggest economic news in 70 years right. or 80 years. So we kind of have to talk about it, and uh, so we did. And uh, the students responded really well. I I had a really uh, positive semester, and uh, it was it was great. All what, things considered, again. <laughs> what
0: a, what a weird time, though. I mean, just it, it. I'm amazed at how society adapted nimbly. It really did. I know there's been some questioning about responses and this and that, but I think everyone did a pretty good job of just kind of shifting and understanding it was going to be difficult, and there wasn't a huge disruption in our lives when you consider we changed everything we do basically yeah. on a dime. It's pretty cool, actually. I don't
1: know. Yeah. I, I, I choose to look at the glass half full in that regard. And I hope that, you know, people obviously have disagreements about these things, but I think that if you look for it, you can see those disagreements. And if you live your own life and actually talk to people that you see in the real world, uh, I don't see that much of that. I, I still see a lot of people, you know, pulling together and, and, uh, looking for the positive and things. And, and, uh, and as you said, adjusting, I mean, you look at gas prices, which are finally starting to bounce back, but you know, people just weren't going anywhere. So it's yep. uh that's that's the that's the response.
0: It all ties together. It's amazing when you watch it. I mean, I was just talking to my last guest, Jamie Mendez, about he lives in LA. I said, Is the smog really cleared? And he said, Yeah, it's beginning to pick back up, but it's been amazing. The birds are singing and the, everything changed. It's just like we have a pandemic, we stopped doing this, we stopped driving, oil prices drop. Smog drops. It's just amazing that you can kind of see how everything ties together and works.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I have a friend in L.A. also, and uh, he said much of the same things.
0: Well, one of the things I want to discuss with you is I'm fascinated with the sports economics of the pandemic and what you think the lasting implications for athletics could be coming out of this, particularly college athletics. Sure. I think it could change quite a bit of things that we're seeing some schools, drop sports, which, you know, I think it's one of those things where, Hey, we have the excuse to get rid of this now, you know, Mm -hmm. now we can say it was the pandemic kind of, you know, a lot of restaurants are closing, but look, restaurants are hard to operate. And I, if you're hanging on by a fingernail, Oh, we didn't fail. The pandemic got rid of us. So, you know, I, I, I can see the kind of built in excuse sometimes, but I think there's going to be some major changes. I think we're closer now to major college football, the power fives or the elite levels, schools breaking off. I think we're really in for a big separation more than ever before between the haves and have-nots in college athletics. I think it's right around the corner now.
1: Yeah, it certainly appears that way. And, you know, there's a number of different um directions that we can look at this. There are things that I see happening behind the scenes and kind of informally that I find, I wouldn't say, I guess I would say troubling, but not surprising because I've heard every athletic director preach all the student athlete discussion and all the football's no more important than rowing and this, that, and the other. And um, you know, this idea that these schools, particularly the larger schools, should have to consider dropping sports, to me, is just absurd. Uh, I've been teaching sports econ since about 2008, and I would guess K-State's budget has gone from $35 million to $90 million in that time, give or right. take. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I mean, so it's impossible to make it on $50 million? Like, I mean, if we're really about student athletes and we're really about um, the experience and all the stuff that's always been, you know, reasonably bogus that these folks talk about, then, you know, renegotiate contracts, then, then, you know, across the board, the big time coaches salaries, the big time assistant salaries the the administrators top to bottom It, 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 you don't have to pull the scholarship from the person on the, on the rowing team to make ends meet. You you have a lot of money that has just grown exponentially in recent years. I, I mean it wasn't I don't mean to sound like the old Fuddy Duddy, but I remember when a three million dollar coaching contract in college football was just astronomical. And uh, you know, now you have assistants making a million dollars a year. And I don't begrudge those people any of that money whatsoever. But um I think it's gonna be, you know, very difficult to not expose things that people, I guess, already kind of knew uh, throughout this process. And so I do think you're right. I do think that the group of five, uh, those type of schools, are some of them are going to go away from D1, and they may, and again they may not have the choice. I mean, it may be a restructuring of of athletics uh, in general. I mean, just one minor thing I've heard informally, and I don't know what schools are doing this and what schools aren't, but. Um, this idea that, you know, some of these schools are not paying for their student athletes to take summer school. That's how they're cutting back on their budget unless the student needs it to be eligible. And it's like that's horrible. Yeah. It's like that's where you're cutting back. I mean, how can you sit there with a straight face and say that you're about this student athlete experience if you're discouraging students from taking classes and paying for them? I, I mean, I don't know that anyone's gone on record as saying that's the case, but I've heard enough reporters say kind of informally that that's happened at various places that it just, you know, uh, bothers the hell out of me, but you know, I'm, I'm not as our athletics, so I can't make those decisions, but, uh, to get back to your earlier thing. Yeah. I think that there's, there's big changes on the horizon and whether it's 60 schools that, that stay big or 80 or 40, I, I don't suspect it to be that few, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a free for all, I think. And of course, the NCAA has plenty of uh, folks that wouldn't mind um, wouldn't mind uh, uh, leaving, at least formally or informally. I know, you know, John Sunvolt brought that topic up when Missouri got some of their absurd uh, penalties uh, right. from this bogus tutor recently.
0: Yeah, the the inconsistencies of the, of the NCAA are astonishing. Some people get away with stuff, and other people, it's like. Oh, thanks for turning yourself in. Here's a hammer, you know, and yep. that's what happened to Missouri. By the yep. way, you're the second Missouri grad on this podcast. What the hell's going on?
1: Well, you have to class the place up a little bit, Tim. You know, I know. I mean,
0: uh, I mean Gabe Diarman was slumming, but now I got a guy with a PhD <laughs> from Missouri. Holy crap! That must be a tough coloring book to finish to get a PhD at Missouri.
1: <laughs> they 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 put me out, pushed me out the door, and gave me one. So I I didn't complain. Yeah, we. Uh, we worked a little bit for that, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all good. Um, our econ department used to have quite a few, uh, Mizzou folks here. I'm, I'm the last remaining oh, really? one, but yeah, yeah. And two of the three people that were on the committee that hired me for, were, uh, uh, Mizzou grads, uh, both undergrads, I guess, actually, but, but huh. still. I don't
0: see any way they don't play college football. Uh, well, I do, if the pandemic absolutely erupts into That's your, it, closer to the Spanish flu.
1: If, if we don't have college football, we have so much bigger problems than college football. Right. Then don't even, it's not even going to be worth mentioning. That's what I would say to that. Right.
0: They're going to play it unless it gets to that level, because if they don't play it, the house of cards falls for college athletics. They can't pay any of their bills. They can't pay any of the salaries. Um, Again, they won't fire the coaches that are expensive. They'll fire all the underlings. um, And they'll they'll just clean house. They'll drop sports. It'll be a wreck. Some schools will say, we'll pull the University of Chicago and say, we're done. It's not worth it. We're out of athletics altogether, which honestly wouldn't be a bad idea if you're a Vanderbilt or an elite academic institution to say, we're done playing this game. Let's get back to school. But uh, well, it's going to be very fascinating to see how this all falls in place.
1: And there was a Bloomberg article recently that implied that you may have more of your, you know, Wichita states in the world, whoever it is, that, that just say, OK. And I know they have baseball as well as basketball, but it's like we're going to we're going to really we're going to focus on something and we're going to do that. But we're not going to uh you know we're not going to carry the the D1 football requirement. And again, a lot of these the the, the impetus for that article is a lot of these schools of, well, the group of five petitioned the NCAA and said we want to not have to keep 16. I think it's 16 sports is the minimum requirement, yeah. and they wanted to drop some of these. And the NCAA said, well, no, but we'll look at it on an individual basis. And I mean, that's just the first signal of of what some of these things could happen. But yeah, it's and again, I don't know what the right answer is there. I mean, I'll certainly watch uh, if they play. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, I, again, I don't want to get into the med- medical side of it at all. Cause I don't know any of that, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, you just have to look at, again, it's, it's just more evidence to me. And I'm not saying it's the wrong thing, but these incentives are not exactly what have, I've always heard preached. Um, and, and, you know, nothing against John, but when John Curry would speak to the class or I go hear Mike Alden speak or whoever it is, I mean, Any athletic director that was worth their salt would always have the same talking points about how it's not about the money when we all know it was mostly and still continues to be mostly about the money. And uh, that's just the real world.
0: Absolutely. They they don't want to flaunt the money in front of the student-athletes that only get their education paid for, which is a big deal. But, you know, they're not really getting the money directly. They get a little stipend now. But it's about the money. It's about college football. It's about – college football paying the bills for everything else if if you're playing college football and that's just the way it is and and the pandemics making people embrace that. And that's why I think the the top institutions or I think it'll be closer to 80 will break off with their football programs. I don't think you can pick and choose who goes. I think you have to set criteria and let exactly. people let people decide for themselves because yeah. if you don't if you just exclude, you're going to have lawsuits because they are big money. It's
1: antitrust lawsuits, yeah, yeah, and that's and again, it's it's it, it will be expensive enough that you won't have to exclude, as, as you know right. why. I mean, it's um, you either have you know a lot of these schools over the years um, have had some really creative, let's say, accounting measures just to prop themselves up to fifteen thousand average fans so they can stay D one, right? And uh, you know they. Those schools shouldn't be D1, and of course the end result will be a higher percentage of of, uh, of exciting games for the fans, I suppose, so that's, that's uh, a positive uh, in the end. I mean, when you can't schedule, gosh, I'll say, well, I don't know, Troy, Alabama beat Missouri in 2004, so I'll throw them out there. And yeah, they wouldn't make it, I don't think. When you can't schedule them, then you have to play Indiana or or right. Ohio State or whoever it is.
0: And that's the other side of it. You're not going to be able to schedule two, three wins every year. In that non-conference schedule, if you're only playing amongst the elites, right? on average, that group of elites will go 500. And right now they're going above 500 because they can stock up those non-conference wins. So it's...
1: The schedules will ref- resemble what we saw in the 60s and 70s, right. I think.
0: Which is good. That's fine.
1: Yeah. I'm, that's, I'm, that's a positive of it. Absolutely.
0: I'm all for it. Some fans are just going to have to realize that 8-4 and four is a pretty damn good season when you're playing all likes and not... Not Missouri State and, you know, not a couple of those other schools. I also think with it, there's no reason if you're the Big 12, certainly the Pac-12, to be playing a full conference schedule in every sport with all that travel. I I, I think we might see a realignment of how we think about conferences in a more regional theory with those quote-unquote Olympic sports. The reality is, it's silly to pay for a bunch of air travel to play a sport where you're not making any money. It's crazy.
1: Exactly. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, we've seen again. Uh, for those that don't know, I guess we already mentioned. I went to Missouri, but I follow the athletics there pretty closely, and they're going to play in they're going to play in Springfield this year, and they're going to play in Wichita this year, and. Uh, you know that uh, Wichita is one thing, but uh, that that would have been pretty unheard of not that long ago, and it's it's I'm certain in response to, you know, trying to cut back on travel a little bit, which makes a lot of sense in this day and age. Although I still don't think they should go to Springfield, but that's just my snobbishness. So.
0: <laughs> oh, poor Missouri State! Are, are, are they are they still Southwest Missouri in your heart?
1: Springfield Teachers College. <laughs> that far back? I mean, if, if you know, I get some people upset at me, but uh, you know, I I, I I look at this from the and and I'm I'm tongue somewhat in cheek here, so don't get too upset. But uh, I went to Drury College as an undergrad, so right. I was you know four blocks away from what was SMS at the time, and uh, then of course I did my grad work at, at Missouri and. To me, this genie left the bottle a long time ago. But I feel like a state institution is Kansas State. You're the land grant school. You're the ag school. You're doing things to extension for the state. Missouri is Missouri State in that regard. Like right. they are the the land grant. They are the ones that reach out to the entire state. They're they're the you know um, you know and it, it, it's Texas A and M. It's not really Texas State if you look at it in that regard. So. Uh, yeah, I, I can't bring myself to to say those words. You've mentioned a few times, uh, or I'd get too much grief from some of my friends. So I, I uh, yeah. But uh, good for them. I mean, it's uh, we'll we'll see how it all goes. They came up and played football at Missouri a few years ago, and I think the first half was something like forty-two to thirty-five. I mean, it was just unbelievably terrible defense by Missouri, and then uh, things got a little better in the second half. But I was I was getting all kinds of uh, people giving me grief during that because they know how I feel about, <laughs> about, uh, about MU. So anyway,
0: there's no good to come out of playing football against a one double a, I still refer to them as that yeah. within your own state, within your own neighborhood. It's just, it's not a good thing. To, yeah. Uh, there's, there's literally people talk about in basketball. There's nothing to gain by scheduling, you know, KU schedule Wichita state BS on that, but there's nothing to gain for Missouri to play Missouri state. It just isn't it.
1: Yeah. And, well, and, fortunately, it's you know that they, they, they were decent enough that it wasn't a big issue. But, but I, there was a few minutes there that were you're just kind of like, what is what is this? So it's, uh, I think the season turned out pretty poor that year, though actually. So
0: I, Iowa State probably feels the same way about having to play Northern Iowa all the time.
1: It's, yeah. Well, in Northern Iowa, you know, uh, they're a, they're a power, and of course. That whole that mm-hmm. whole conference is, which makes it. Uh, makes it tougher, but they hired um, uh, Petrino, I guess, down there. So we'll see see how that works out for them. Oh, here we go.
0: That's going to be entertaining. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Next topic, you are. Um, I don't, I don't want to say this disparagingly. You, you like to gamble, you go to Vegas, you do your thing, so yeah. and you're an economics guy. I want your take on this growth of sports gambling around the country. Kansas beginning to talk about it, uh, yeah. We're, we're still talking about liquor by the drink in Kansas, and I'm like, no, guys, you approved that a while ago. It's okay, we can have that. <laughs> um, I'm fascinated by sports gambling, and ironically, I'm not a sports gambler. I like to play blackjack, but I right. suck at sports gambling. That's why I don't like to do it. But um, what is, what's your take on this growth of sports gambling?
1: Well, I mean, it has been explosive, and uh, that's when I spoke earlier. I mean, this uh, this Vinny Maiulo, um, he's, uh, he's a great character, for one, on top of being a brilliant guy. And so we had a really good uh, Zoom conversation with him. Uh, in the fall, where uh Ryan Gilbert was in that class by the way, yeah. I was really pleased you hired him he 's a sharp sharp guy okay. and, uh, more on team go powercat that 's a bunch of winners over there so i was I was happy to see that for everybody. yeah, I mean at some point someone 's going to do it Iowa's done it uh so that puts it doesn 't really put too much pressure on Missouri because of the way it's located, but, but Illinois has, and that puts some pressure on Missouri. So if Missouri or Kansas blinks first, I think the other one will follow suit pretty quickly because they don't like seeing all those Missouri cars at the Hollywood Casino or Kansas cars and Harris or Ameristar or whatever it might be. Everything has its, its risks, I suppose, but um, it, it really is great for sports in general. I mean, you look at people are trying to understand why, the NFL had such strong ratings last year. People want to talk about the pledge of allegiance and stuff like that. It's like, you know, it's mostly, there are more people gambling on the games. I don't actually, um, you know, have that much desire to bet NFL. Uh, if I do bet on sports myself, but you know, if I was doing it, I would watch more than just the chiefs game, which is what I usually do. And, you know, that's what we see happening. And it's, uh, so the leagues, You know, They try to have these little extortion fees where they say, oh, we need to charge you for our data or whatever, but that's going to work itself out, and it has in a lot of cases. I mean, the league should want it, even if they kind of act like they're protesting, and I'd say the same thing for the NCAA. It brings eyeballs to the sport. Most people tend to keep it under control. I know you talked to Kelly Stewart, who was a Star of that uh, um, Showtime action documentary, and I would—if any people want to kind of see the real world of sports gambling from top to bottom, from winner to loser to whatever you see—I would highly recommend that that yeah. uh, documentary. And um, you know, there are people that do it professionally, and there are people that do it uh, and blow a hundred bucks instead of going out to a steak dinner. And uh, I generally. You know, look at it uh, that, that in a free country, uh, you have to let people make their own decisions, their own choices, whether you approve of them yourself or not. That's that's not the that's that's not the question. Uh, the question is, is, you know, is this person harming me uh, by their actions? And that's what makes this current dilemma such a such a difficult thing to discuss from every perspective, including an economic perspective. But in sports gambling, it's pretty cut and dry. I mean, people can go out and and. Um, and you know, spend their own money as they see fit. And, and, you know, I do like to bet on sports. You know, we try to go to March madness for, for Vegas every year. I wasn't going to be able to go this year if we had it because of the nature of our spring break at K-State. I was very happy to see that the K-State spring break has been changed for the next two years where uh, March madness will be uh, during spring break, assuming we have it. <laughs> and uh, you know, cause I, I gotten together with my buddies just about every year since like, Gosh, I don't know, ninety-five out there, probably like ninety-eight out there, and uh, it's 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 crazy. It's gotten a little too big, but it's it's a lot of fun, and you have more fun really, you know, talking trash and doing the research and figuring out what to do a lot of times and how the actual games turn out. Uh, at least you know, as long as you, anything's fine in moderation, and that's kind of the way I look at it. So, yeah. but yeah, it's exploded. And it's going to continue to.
0: Well, you once it starts spreading. Once you know you have the app, where states, yep, can people in states can go gamble on the app. You gotta hop on board. You're just being silly now. I mean, it's out there, and particularly with Kansas and Missouri, people just That's cross true. the state line.
1: Colorado is actually, I just heard this secondhand on that same channel that Visa, but you can drive into Colorado and you don't have to actually go anywhere to set up. Um, you set up your app and put your funds in and everything. So it's, uh, it's one of the most almost everywhere you have to go show your ID. You have to do all these things. The thing I have, Tim, I have the William Hill app. And I have, I don't know, 200 bucks sitting on it for next time I go to Vegas and there's something to bet on. Right. right. But more exciting to me, like I'll be sitting there watching Kansas, Kansas State, Big Monday Basketball and I'll just go to the live betting odds not to bet the game but just to see what does Vegas think like what is the expected outcome of this game right now oh yeah what's the point spread with 12 minutes left to go in the first half uh if K-State's up 8 do they think it's going to last or you know what and that's just what the public thinks obviously it's not that statistically important but it's still I find it just fascinating and like I get so much utility out of that app I mean I would pay for that information if I if I had to but it's just right there on my phone and it just you know I, I I can't bet it'll say you're not in Nevada you can't bet, but you can see all the lines live action and that's of course the biggest growth in sports betting has been this in game uh, as opposed to people that are betting before the, so they they're always coming up with something um they're you know they're always innovating and um you know now I guess again, this is not me, but people are betting on ping pong and Korean baseball and whatever they can find so
0: if you're betting on ping pong and marble racing, you probably need help.
1: Yeah, it's that, that's that's. I think that's uh, exactly.
0: That's a cry <laughs> right there, ping pong betting or uh, table tennis, as the professionals like to refer to it as. Uh, that's a cry for help.
1: I believe you're correct. Yeah. I bet
0: you our friend Austin would bet on ping pong.
1: <laughs> I think he might. Yeah, he he uh, he was he was always full of soccer advice, which I could just never listen to because I don't. Watch soccer, but, uh, or very rarely I watch the World Cup, but, uh, but yeah, he, uh, he, he, he might. <laughs> Speaking
0: of that, how much do you miss Wahoo?
1: Oh, my God. Uh, it's just, I, you know, I thought about that when I i knew we were going to visit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that was a cheers for me. I mean, I, I, that was my second home. Yeah. And, uh, I still say it was the best restaurant in town. I'm biased, but uh, you know, I um, I actually cracked open a colch today because that was the beer choice I'd have out there uh, <laughs> thinking about talking to you, and I figured that would come up. And um, yeah, I just I loved everything about it. You know, it's it was busy enough, but you could, you know, I could usually figure out a way to get a seat at the bar. And you know, it was not one of these places that would never put the sports on, uh, even though, you know, that you're talking to people and having a good, good time on top of that. But it was, it wasn't a sports bar, but it was enough of one that you could really follow everything yeah. and, and have a great time. And yeah, they, they knew what to, what to put on there. And gosh, I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, I just, uh, some of those, uh, pasta dishes and the chimney I don't, don't get me started. I mean, uh, it was, I, yeah, it's,
0: it, it was great people, great food, the other customers were great.
1: That's, that's the thing I miss seeing the, I miss seeing you out there. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's like, gosh, there's so many folks. I, again, if I start naming people and it, it, it'd be a mistake, but I mean, and then of course, Austin and Megan too. I mean, it just, uh, I just thought the staff was great and the, and the, the clientele was great. And uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I miss it. I mean, you know, they'd let us have that banquet room at Wahoo all the time and, we watch presidential debate. I I was looking forward to hosting presidential debate watch parties this year, although maybe that wouldn't be as safe as it was in 2016, but, uh, and not because of the virus, but, uh, um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's, 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 it's very much missed for me. And, uh, I I miss it a lot. Uh, and I know you do too. So,
0: yeah. And it just shows how difficult it is, in the restaurant business. And you know, I've yeah. heard some people say, well the really good ones will survive this pandemic. No, they may not. You know, you just yeah. don't know what the financial situation is behind everything. Maybe they just paid off a bunch of stuff and they're you know, they're really light on cash flow right now and then this hits and they're they're broke.
1: Yeah, that's, that's not a business, <laughs> you know, I've looked into the perfect business for myself, Tim. I mean, uh, but running a restaurant would certainly not be the business I would try to do. And,
0: no, uh, I have this thing where I think it would be really cool, but probably for like a month and then, yeah. the, then the misery of operating a restaurant, yeah. I was just, I can't imagine uh, the, just the grind that. You know the back end prep and oh it's yeah and I think and everybody
1: will, everybody thinks they want to do a bar instead, which I think would be you know easier obviously and, but still it's there is the kind of pride if you did a really good restaurant and you had great food and stuff i mean that 's more of a contribution to society, I think than a bar some would argue with me about that, but. Uh, I, I think about that a little bit. I, you know, I've never been a big TV watcher. I watch a lot of sports, but I'm behind on everything. But I just, and I know I'm like, people are going to listen to this and most people be like, how are you so far behind? But I finally finished season one of Ozark. <laughs> and, uh, and I think part of the reason I didn't want to watch that is because, you know, Lake of the Ozarks is like 30 minutes from where I grew up. Right. I knew it didn't paint the most flattering picture of Pulaski County and Camden County and the area of Lake of the Ozarks. But, uh, It's not altogether wrong, but, um, but yeah, you know, you look at that and you think of all these businesses, you know, they're running the the lodge and the bar and all that. You're just like, yeah, I could see where, you know, there's, if if you weren't laundering money, there's appeal to doing some of those things.
0: So I had a good friend, one of those social media friends that you just kind of meet along the way in life. and mm -hmm. She quit her job in Key West and went back to Fort Myers, bought a, one of those Airstream old school motor coaches and set out. I guess it's a trailer set out across the United States to find her place. And she gets the Ozarks and she texts me because this place is incredible. I never realized it was this beautiful. I said, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and she goes, I'm going to stay here an extra week. And then she texts me and says, Hey, I'm going to be in Kansas sooner than I thought, because I left the Ozarks. I go, why? And she goes, I can't take the people. (laughs) welcome to the ozarks it is the weirdest collection of both ends of the financial spectrum yeah i mean you've got this the really poor people the ozarks and then you have we have a summer house in the ozarks you know it's like oh yeah man you, you live in freaking overland park uh you know i mean let's not pretend you're from the hamptons and you've got you know whatever but yeah so it, that's exactly what i said that does not surprise me and then she had kind of the opposite experience in in colorado she goes out there and the people were like too too, too weird laid back. Yeah, yeah well just kind of yeah and, and again it was beautiful so she chose fort myers as the place she wanted to end up being at where she started so
1: it's like that's like, My, that's uh, like life my one trip to Boulder for a football game, you know, I know K- a lot of K State people talk about how the fans are pretty brutal, but we were going there to watch Missouri and nobody cared that much. And uh, yeah, it was, there were a lot of weird people that were exactly as uh, interested in their substances as you would expect. Yeah. So it was, uh, and Boulder's different than most of Colorado. I mean, I have a buddy that lives at Denver, uh, lives probably 10 minutes from Red Rocks, and I, I think I've been to Red Rocks probably almost 20 times now nice. about 15 of those to see the Avid brothers which is my favorite band and you know that's always just fantastic but uh, but yeah that's it's, everything's a little different but i will say this uh the keister farms from richland missouri and um it, it is beautiful and, and my mother was not destined to live in rural missouri by any means but when they found this farm she told my dad it's like well if, if we're gonna have to live down here this is the one and uh and of course, you know we're far enough. Whatever I mean, I, I love the folks, obviously, from my hometown, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a pretty great place. And they're far enough from the lake. Maybe they they get away from at least some of the the negative uh, externalities that exist from from being at Lake of the Ozarks.
0: I think in the time of the apocalypse, I'm going down there, just because one, it's beautiful. Two, it's rich in resources, and three, it's going to be a human zoo during the apocalypse. I mean, it will just be the weirdest place to be. And I think if we're going to have an apocalypse, maybe I'll just have some entertainment to go with it.
1: But. You will get it. Like the Ozarks. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. There's never a shortage. Uh,
0: How badly absolutely. are you ready to go back to Vegas?
1: I've been thinking about that. I uh, know. Me too. Yeah, I definitely am, am ready. I don't, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping if there's college football and we're kind of allowed to, you know, I don't want to violate whatever whatever rules and regulations are going to put on us at the university, but, uh, I've started to slip away on Friday nights and come back Sunday afternoon and go bet a Saturday at college football. Like we were talking about earlier. And to me, that's just so much fun because the thing with Vegas is like, you go to the books and we were there last year, K-State, Texas. Gosh, I can't even remember for sure who Missouri was playing. It they didn't do well. Uh, the K State Texas game was obviously riveting, but it was Alabama LSU day, mm. and it was uh, oh it was Missouri Georgia, and that that game was horrible. That's why I don't remember. I choose not to remember too much about it. But um, oh, I went to the Westgate, which is that I don't know if you've been to that sports book, but it's just ridiculous. It's so much fun, and uh, just just had a tremendous time. So I you know I don't know how quickly it'll be, but uh, yeah, I'd like to be out there for a college football weekend for sure. And, and, uh, do all that, but you know, they're not going to have real poker. I mean, I've, I've had some success over the years off and on with poker and, uh, which to me is not really gambling. I mean, it is, and it it's, isn't it's a because, game of skill. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that you can make a few bucks at and, um, you know, they're doing four handed poker if they do it at all right now. And I don't think the casinos are going to do it. And so I'm, and I understand. I mean, everybody's passing the cards and the chips and all that, but I'm hoping they can find a way to have have poker safely because that's, you know, A, it's the best thing for your budget out there if you go sit and play poker for four or five hours. And uh I just I love the mental challenge of it. I really do. And it's uh that's that's something I miss as much as anything. And I you know, they they obviously postponed may cancel the World Series of poker and uh you know i never go out there and take a shot at anything big but i've played a few smaller tournaments out there and had not enough success to be even on those but i've had some success and it's it's always uh, that i mean again and i spend the weeks reading my poker books and watching my poker stuff you know the preparation's more fun than the event a lot of times when you take a big vacation it's like you plan it more in your head that that's the that's half the mm-hmm. half the fun so yeah i i miss it and i've kind of decided if i do go back when i do go back i'm just going to be like okay we're staying at the Wind, and we're just gonna do it right, assuming that the prices are still somewhat reasonable, and just maybe go less often and do it a little, little differently. Although I do like to stay at that South Point on occasion too, because they're a high, uh, high service place, and they, they treat us well. So maybe I'd do a night out there, and then hmm. a couple nights at the Wind or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, the Wind's nice. I love it, man. I know we stayed there. Um, uh, it was one of the basketball tournaments we covered back in the Huggins Martin. Yeah, it was just great. I mean, I, we caught some Southwest special. It was amazing. You know, they'll do the Southwest vacations, and we ended up paying like a hundred less than a hundred bucks a night for that's unbelievable for the win. And
1: Tim, we were out there it was K State UNLV. That's what it was That's when I was there. That was that same weekend. Yeah, and then the K State UNLV game got scheduled for. Oh yeah! The same time yeah. As the oh yeah! Game. That's
0: right. Because I was so coming we damn not to damn basketball
1: game. It was like, yeah, the case that UNLV basketball game. So that that was the weekend we would planned yeah. on doing, and we were going to go to the basketball game, but the timing didn't work out well enough. Where we went, we ended up, you know, staying at the sports book instead. But,
0: I don't blame you. But
1: yeah, but no, it's that's that's a great. They used to have some great Southwest vacations. Used to be the way to go. You could you could do well on that.
0: I would like to point out that. Uh, little did we know that when I covered, you know, of course I volunteered, I never, I don't travel anymore for the, for work, but I did volunteer yep. for the Vegas trip.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I, would, no, I missed you out there. I was disappointed in that.
0: I I'd like to point out that I covered the high point of the Kansas state basketball season, which came in like the first two weeks of the season. That was yep. the high point.
1: We were at the Westgate, and then we went to a little burger place. And, you know, they had – we got them to put the K-State-Texas uh, game on. But, again, was that game – I don't know what they – we couldn't get the basketball game. They couldn't – I don't know if it was ESPN Plus or what it was. But, yeah. Uh, so, we, we kind of were following along and and, uh, and uh, didn't didn't get to see it, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's – you know, it was, I was reasonably excited when we won. But uh, uh, that, that passed pretty quickly. <laughs> That's my thing
0: about going to Vegas. You get out there and you're going to be socially distanced from everyone – Um, you know, I'm a blackjack guy and I don't, I don't know how they'll do that, but it won't be the same. And, um, uh, I'm not sure, but, and what's funny about it to get there, you're going to have to climb on a plane where you cannot be socially distant. I mean, I don't care if they leave the middle seat open. It's not six feet apart still. So
1: yeah, there there was someone CNBC that like, if you really do that, you have like, you know, 15 people on the plane or something, if you're actually following guidelines. And then you have the question about the the air and stuff. And I'm, I'm not at the point where I can drive out there. So I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth on it, but uh, you know, I think three people at a blackjack table, I mean, you can still get some camaraderie there, but yeah, it'll definitely, definitely not. Have you seen these shields that they supposedly are going to put up? I don't think they're actually going to do it, but I mean, that would be like a, a pretty, it's one thing to have a shield like in front of the dealer, but they're having these individual shields for each player that I've seen on Twitter and stuff. And I'm like, that doesn't look like fun at all
0: no i'm out
1: i don't want to sit in my little cubicle and play black <laughs>
0: exactly exactly although i think that'd be good for everyone else if they put me in a cubicle <laughs> especially bringing me free drinks a cubicle would probably be best for me <laughs> just probably work out best for all parties involved including the greater vegas area yeah I, dude i'm just ready to get back to normal it whatever i don't know what the new normal is going to be but it's not going to be this and it's going to be better than this and I, yep. I can't wait for it to happen and, and hopefully this thing doesn't flare back up because it's going to mess up a lot more than college football if it really comes exactly. back to life it's going to wreck a lot of things
1: and you know I'm just generally trying to be an optimistic person I think and so I feel I don't, I don't know how confident but you know a lot of these schools are starting to talk about coming back you know closer to the middle of August and breaking at Thanksgiving and at least that seems like something that's somewhat based on reasonable response to the data, uh what little we have. And of course, obviously if they had to, you can send people home at Halloween or whatever if things start to go the wrong way. I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions, but I kinda I, I, I tend to hope that's what we do. You know, I miss my students in person. I did a lot to try to interact with them on Zoom and, and have review sessions and I continue to have live classes uh pretty frequently um after the Cancellation. And I'll say this, as you getting back to my predictive abilities, I'm very blunt in senior seminar about what I think about different things because it's 20 students, it's all our majors, they're getting ready to graduate, go out in the world. I feel like I have a pretty good rapport with them. And talk about foot and mouth. I mean, I was sitting there the Friday before spring break saying, well, they're making me draw up this plan about how we might have to teach online. And <laughs> yeah, I guess I have to turn it in. And, you know, I mean, like I'm going to be doing that. And then a week later, I look like the... Village Idiot. So, it, it,
0: uh, it happened quickly. It
1: it happened real quickly.
0: Once it got going, um, man, I mean, I'm in Kansas City covering basketball. And as we're yep. sitting in the game, we're hearing about the stuff going on in the Big Ten tournament and then the NBA stuff. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go.
1: Okay, so I'll, I'll just come clean here. And some people will hear this and think the worst of me, but I didn't get anybody sick. So I was in Vegas. I went to Vegas every spring break. We left that Wednesday early afternoon. And cut the trip short, but we got there. uh, I got out of the airport. I got in just in time. Uh, Again, I was on the plane. The K-State game was getting ready to start. I was like, we're going to win this one. So I bet on us to win. And got to the hotel, and a lot of times I get all excited. I go straight to the poker room or whatever. And I thought, you know what? My buddy's coming in in like two hours. I'm just going to go to the room. I'm going to grab a steak and shake or whatever. And I'm just going to watch this game. And, you know, it was an exciting game. I really, And then the next day when all that broke, I was like, well, at least I enjoyed that. And the Saturday before I went to the Missouri-Alabama basketball game, which wasn't the greatest game in the world, but Missouri won. So it was kind of a nice end of the season. And it's like I'm really glad I did those things because I don't know when I get to do that kind of fun stuff again. And, uh, you know, it breaks everybody's heart. So it's like – and my problems are nothing compared to most people's, I know. But, uh, yeah, it's just we got to roll with the punches.
0: Yep. We'll get through this. We'll figure it out. and But I, I'm telling you, if if they don't have college football, I will be leading the riot in the streets, even though <laughs> I'll have to be six feet apart from everyone I'm rioting with. <laughs> it's going to be a really interesting riot. Uh, you know, yes. it, we'll have face masks on, which is no different than a typical riot, so that's kind of cool. That's There you go. There uh, you go. Buddy, good to talk to you, man. I miss seeing you at Wahoo. we have to uh, figure out a night to uh, – Meet up at So Long or Taco Lucha or Tanner's and have a beer.
1: I'd love that, man. Hey, continue, yeah, you know, thoughts and prayers to you and uh, always hoping for the best for you. Continued success for you, sir.
0: Thank you, brother. Good to talk to you. When this pandemic ends and folks like me who are a bit immune compromised can go back to regular activities, I look forward to having a beer with Dan and so many other local friends I have bonded with on bar stools either in Manhattan's Aggieville Entertainment District or at a downtown restaurant. Normal and a cold one with pals sure sound good. And here comes the reminder, men over 45, go get your PSA scored. Regular measurements of your PSA, the prostate-specific antigen, is the best path to early detection of prostate cancer. Take care, everyone. I will talk to you real soon.